You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. It's a little commercial that pops up. Uh, it's a little old now, looking at those interest rates. Um, but yeah, it's a little old. Um, but it's a little ad that, I don't know, those type of ads pop up when I'm watching YouTube and watching TV or that you know the ads. They pop up on your phone or in between your TV program. And I just want to talk a little bit about a silly, silly ad for just a moment because I think it has to do with reading the Bible. You see, that ad, without overanalyzing it, that ad is telling you a story, is telling you who you are, what you want, what you should want and how you get it. Now, you may not go, well, so what? It's five seconds. But I don't know about you, I'm on my phone, I watch TV, I turn on the radio. That may be 30 seconds, but that's times a million. Different ads telling you a story. They are telling you a story. If you don't know what I'm talking about, let me tell you the story that that lad in 30 seconds is assuming about you. It's telling you that you don't just need what you need, but you need what you want. You better get what you want. And I mean, don't do due diligence. Don't go to the man or the banker man. He's boring. Look at that big long bit of paper. Don't do that. Don't do due diligence. Quickly, you need that dream home. What's 25 grand? I'm joking. Like, what's 25? It's not what's 25 grand. But that's the way they put it. Whatever, it's an app, man. 25 grand, quickly. You deserve this. Get it now. Don't get the, get the man get you down with paperwork. 25 grand. Wait, future Steve can worry about that because he'll be sitting in his renovated bathroom. It's telling, it's funny, but it's telling you a story through humour. You deserve what you want. You need to get what you want. And anyone stopping you getting what you want, what you dream of, boo them. Thank you, Nimble. Thank you, Nimble. That's what it's telling you. And again, yeah, funny for 30 seconds in church, a million times over every day, you're told a story. I think if we were told that story or stories like that a million times a week, our world would look exactly like it looks right now. <laughs> we get the consequence. Selfish, people walking around as their own brand, their own idea, they, 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 they're walking around, I deserve anyone that stops them getting anything they want, any church putting disciplines or restrictions or ideas or accountability, boo them. I want to sleep who I want to sleep with. I want to go to where I want to go. I want to buy what I want to buy. Don't you dare stop my any inkling or desire or want it's a need, and I'm going to stop anyone in the way. This is a st- one of many stories preached at you, whether you like it or not, every day. And sometimes it's really funny the way they do it. And it's quirky, so you don't realise that that dude just put himself in 25 grand debt with high interest rates, no diligent process, all to possibly get a brand new bathroom. Not that that's even to get a brand new bathroom, but there's no process, there's no thinking, there's no consideration. It's just, I want this now, so I'll nimble it. That's the world we live in at the moment. It is telling you a sermon every day. It is telling you a story every day. They know advertisement companies don't spend trillions of dollars taking up the the, the brain scan. Literally, neuroscience can't move forward or are slow to move forward because all their equipment is taken up by ad agencies. This is not just something I'm making up. Look that up. They're hiring out all these things. They want to know what story to tell you to connect 
best to their product. Why do I tell you that? I tell you that because if only, if only Christians, there was an alternative story we could look to. If only there was a story that could cut through like a sword into today's story and tell us something different. My goodness, our world needs that. It needs to be cut through that consumeristic culture that you are the most important person on this planet and everything you need and deserve, you deserve right now, this second. We need a different story. One, shall we say, that clears the temple of our heart of that rubbish, gets a whip even, and clears out the rubbish of selling our soul around some stuff. Like Adam Penman spoke on three weeks ago in John, a story like that. Or a story that all these divisions and all these bubbles, because we're so self-centered, all these divisions to be broken down, the walls, you could say, taken down, that type of story, like the one that Ian shared a couple of weeks ago through John. Or one of a God bigger than ourselves, not a made-up story that we've made up, but one of a God that is unexpected, that does things that we don't always want, (laughs) but we need like Malcolm spoke about last week. Anyone know where we could find a story like that? Where are these guys going to find these stories? Maybe not a story, maybe a library of stories, 66 books in in fact, spanning over 4,000 years telling one story that cuts through the narrative of today. A story that people have tried to control, People have been killed and murdered over, disempowered, dissed in general, but the thing keeps kicking. And partly because the story keeps ringing true. It's affecting people. It's active today like a sword. Why do I keep saying a sword? Because the Bible describes itself as that very thing. In Hebrews it says, For the word of God is a living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of spirit, and of joints, and of marrow. That's, I love how uncomfortable the idea of piercing into marrow feels. But that's what it's trying to say, this story. And discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. If you don't know I'm being sarcastic, I know we have a story, and it's called the Bible. It's the third time we've done a similar sermon in three years. We do wield the word and prayer. No matter what practices we explore each year, we always do those two because we believe they're very, very, very important. And so I'm actually not going to... I've done three different sermons on this and I'm going to post them up this week because there's a lot of teaching now to be... Listen, I didn't want to repeat. You can go have a listen. It's not just me. We've had some guests in preaching about it. I'll post them up on our Facebook this week. If you want a copy, I'll give that to you. But today I wanted to do just something a little bit different as we start to unpack this story that pierces through all other stories, tells us a different narrative. I wanted to do it together in the book that we're exploring, John. So in the Gospel of John, if you don't know. And so the first thing we need to do this morning Like any sword, there's a heap of ways to wield it. But this morning, we're just going to do it together. And so if you've got your Bibles, or if you've got the screen up here, we're going to open to John 6.25, and we're going to have a look at a story today and see how it can cut in, how it can face the narrative of today. 
and ultimately transform us. So open it and read it. John 6.25, if you've got that, open it up. Let's have a look. While you're doing that, let me pray. Father God, I just pray that your spirit guides us this morning as it already has. We thank you for all the things you're a part of in this church. But we thank you for this alternative story. Not a made-up story, but a story that's some part historical. Other books are poetic. Other books are prophetic. Other books are wisdom literature and some are testimonies. And as we open the testimony of John about Jesus... I just pray right now you cut through the stories we've been hearing maybe all week. And God, do a new thing. Tell us a new story or remind us of a very ancient, good and beautiful story this morning through this book. In Jesus' name, amen. John 6.25, let's continue this series in John. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. When the Son of Man will give you, for on him, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do? To do the works God requires. Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see and believe you? What will we do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it's written, he gave the bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it's not Moses who has given you bread from heaven, but it was my father who gives you the true bread bread from heaven for the bread of god is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world so they said always gives us this bread then jesus declared i am the bread of life whoever comes to me will never go hungry whoever believes in me will never be thirsty but as i told you you have seen me and still you do not believe all those the father gives me will come to me and who comes to me i will never drive away For I've come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of whom who sent me, that I shall lose none of those he has given me and raise them up at the last day. For the Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I'll raise them up at the last day. It continues that the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can, we say I come, how can he say, I come down from heaven? Jesus hears this. People usually grumble in a way, if they're doing it out loud, they want you to hear it. So it's not surprising. <laughs> Stop grumbling amongst yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them and I'll raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets that they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the father and learned from him comes to me no one who has seen the father except the one who is from god only he is seen the father very very truly i tell you the one who believes has eternal life i am the bread of life your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness yet they died but here is the bread that comes down from heaven which anyone may eat and not die i am the living bread that comes down from heaven 
Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give you for the life of the world. And then the last part. So the Jews began to argue sharply amongst themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I'll raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is not real food and my blood is not real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them, just as the living Father sent me. And I live because of my Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that comes down from heaven. The ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on the bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in this synagogue in Capernaum. So there's multiple ways to unpack this scripture. Like if a sword, there's multiple ways to swing that around. You want to be careful. You don't want to hurt anyone with it, but you want to explore it. You want to look at it. Do you know what? We're exploring in Alpha at the moment. Last um, Wednesday night was actually reading the Bible, the, the practice of it. So it was very helpful. And although I would not encourage this as your main way of reading the Bible, half the group admitted that they'd be impacted by God, not every day, but at least once in their life from doing the whole, I'll randomly open to, to a page. As a pastor, I do not endorse that as your main way of reading the Bible. However, as a pastor, I sat there while half a table said to me, God had moved through that way. Why? Is that a good way to read the Bible? Not necessarily. Is God good? Yes. <laughs> so if you open it and read it, he's going to try to meet you there. Sometimes it's that, I really need you today and I'll just flick it open and see what it says. It's dangerous. I've also heard horror stories about that. But God wants you just to open it. That's, he wants you to read it. He wants you to hear his story. Because we get to hear the other world story every single second. He needs it to cut through and tell you a truth, show you a way and give you life. So we're going to keep unpacking this today. But I'm going to ask for a brave soul. And I might not get anyone because it's quite a thick passage. Does anyone want to give me the gist, the summary of what just happened, what we just read? Is anyone feeling brave or could at least be i was gonna say bullied that's not the right word <laughs> but could it be at least be manipulated is also not the right word i uh, could be pushed gently to give me a little bit of a summary so far oh give it up for neil so just before this passage we've got the the feeding of the five thousand and so Jesus is concerned because he knows that he's got an intention of the kingdom of God and it's not what, what they're wanting. They want to turn and make him king. So they're following Jesus, many of them, with the wrong motivation and intention. And so they're thinking the kingdom of God is going to come and they're going to try and make him king. And so they've got an a mindset that is Old Testament mindset about and thinking about things of the earth and not thinking on the same tangent that Jesus is thinking about. He's thinking of heavenly things. And so Jesus is talking about relationship 
and their mindset is back in the wilderness. And Jesus in the New Testament when he talks, when he talks to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, he's talking in the same manner and he's saying, I've come to fulfill the law, I've come to put things right. And their mindset is stuck in the Old Testament ways and focusing on the law and they're stuck. And so Jesus is saying, I've come to fulfill the law and I'm coming to give you insight. Thanks. Thank you. Um, again, heavy layered, layered. But, but this is the fun of, this is why I love small tables as well because they get to do this every week. You get to ask each other, hey, what do you think? What have you heard about this? What, even, if, even if you, and you weren't, um, but even if you were wrong then, I was prepared to let you share something because I know, I know your heart. Um, if you had it just been someone that just walked in, <laughs> or maybe not give you the mic, uh, but I know your heart and you weren't wrong. Neil. That's, that's exactly, God is unpacking some, some old habits, some things that they're stuck on. And, and so it brings questions. You're allowed to question the text. God will be okay. You're allowed to bring concern. But that's why context is so important. And so I have questions when I first read this. I'm sure you do. I, I want to know why they talk about bread so much. What's the deal with bread? I've never heard anyone talk about bread so much. But these guys just, uh, it's, I think it's uh, counted something like 22 times in the NIV in that chapter they talk about bread. So I'm, I'm going to address that. I ask myself, why does Jesus seem a little bit cranky? I don't know. I could be picking up that tone. Um, I could be picking up a bit of a tone in Jesus that as they've crossed the water, as they've crossed the lake, he's like a little bit short. I could be wrong, but it feels like he's a little bit cranky. So I've got that question. What's wrong, Jesus? And then they just keep asking about the bread. I'm stuck on the bread. I'm sure you have questions as well as you've heard that. What, what's that mean? What's this? And it's good to ask questions. It's good to open, read it, question the text. Do you know these incredible resources these days with the internet? Solid sites, commentaries. I don't know if you know this, but us as preachers or Bible study leaders, we use commentaries. And so this is where someone that has probably a heap of letters before their name has studied different translations and has given us the best idea of the context of that passage. Another thing you can do is you notice all the different versions. You can lay them beside each other. So you can go, I want to hear this in NIV and then I want to read this back in the ESV. And then if you're feeling risky, read it back in the message. So that's a little pastor joke there. So um, it was very funny for those that didn't get it. That's all right. So <laughs> um, no, no, no. So you can lay, like have a look, understand it, wrestle with it, enjoy it. What are you saying here, God? Open it, read it, question it, and find context. And I love that Neil gave us a bit of context there. What was the author's intent? We've been exploring the Gospel of John, so if you've been with us the whole time, you'll know that John wrote this book as the last Gospel and most likely as a response at that time where people were saying, I think God was a good guy. I think Jesus was a good guy. I think Jesus was a prophet. I think he was okay. And John wrote this final Gospel as a response to say, no, 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 no. He's God. He's the Word in the beginning. Let me just make sure you know. He's God. And so he wrote this book. That's his intention. Understand, if you're going to read a letter, understand why that person wrote the letter. So we have context. 
We know why. And then, and then not only that, we also have a story before it. We have two stories before it. If you go back a bit, I'm not going to read all the way through it now. We have the feeding of the 5,000, a chapter before. So Jesus just fed 5,000 people. That's counting the men. So counting for women, there's probably 10,000. With kids, it could be far more. But it says 5,000 on a hill. They've just seen that miracle. And then he walks on water for the disciples straight after that. Both passages we've explored previously in this church recently. And so these, the context is these disciples are excited. They've crossed the river or the lake. They're following, or the sea. They're following Jesus and they're thinking, I wonder when he's going to do the food thing again. They probably think, I wonder if we can make requests. It's been a lot of bread. I wonder if he does McDonald's. I wonder if he can do pizza this time. They're coming to consume. Do the next trick, God. Do the next Trick Jesus. We want to see it. That's the context. See how important that is when we're opening the word, looking at context, looking at the author's intent. Do something that will please us, God. Do something that will entertain us. Give us more free food. I don't have to make that up. That doesn't have to be my opinion. That's straight out of commentaries and straight out of people, again, with more degrees than I do telling me that's the context of this passage as well. As well as inviting the Holy Spirit to stir through it. Because like I said, sometimes he just gives you a word. Sometimes he shares. He wants you to use this thing. That's the main thing. He wants you to open it. Open it. Wrestle with it. You know, I've mentioned my Bible college. I've done a little bit of study, but if you didn't know, I'm 80% the way through my Master's in Divinity, it's called. But I tell you what's taught me more than that. That's fun. And I want to get that just so, because it sounds cool. You've got to admit, if I have that on a card, Masters of Divinity, like, well, this guy must know it. <laughs> sounds a bit like a Jedi-type picture. But, um, but regardless, do you know where I've really learnt the Bible? Um, it's, doing, it's preparing sermons and Bible studies. It's, it's the stress a bit. <laughs> of knowing I've got to preach in front of everyone and about 16 pastors it feels like in this church so I've got to preach in front of everyone and about another 16 pastors I better know my stuff I love it I open it I enjoy it I research I read widely um, and, and I encourage you to do the same enjoy it open it wrestle with it you don't have to necessarily get a study a degree we'd love you to if you want to look at that we've got options but read it enjoy it open it and learn the context Learn why they're mentioning bread. Tell yourself, remind yourself and others that story that opposes nimble, that opposes the world sermon. Now I want to look at this word, bread. Again, with a helpful of commentaries, 21 times in NIV, let me tell you that this bread is kind of like, and this is a silly example <laughs> but, okay, it's like someone finds a recording of me in a 200 years where butterfly catching with a net is really popular. Do you know that old school catch a butterfly with a net? So imagine that. This is silly, but hopefully it helps. In 200 years, butterfly catching with a net is really exciting and someone finds this ancient Burley Heads Church of Christ sermon by Steve Gray, prolific author of that time, 
no, no, no. They just find this recording on a USB. They're like, what's this? I'll plug this in. And he says, oh, I've just been on the net today. And they're like, back then, they must have standed on their butterfly nets. Out of context. Silly, but a real visual way of going, oh, okay, he's talking about going outside and standing on his butterfly net. They don't know. I'm talking about the internet. Silly, but we literally do the same today. We picture bread. We picture going down the shops, buying bread. We don't understand the cultural context of bread. Let me give you some, because they knew it. They knew the context. Sustenance and life. You'll probably get this one. Bread was a staple food in near Egypt, representing basic sustenance and daily provision. So when they're talking about bread, they're talking about food, everything. It's provision. The Lord's Prayer includes the line, as we've been exploring, give us this daily bread. It's dependence on our basic needs. So when they say bread, that's what they mean. They also mean the presence of God. In the Old Testament, the bread was the presence, also known as the show bread or the shoe bread. It was placed in a tabernacle and laid in the temple. And so bread meant presence. You're there, you're eating, you're there, there's bread. God has presented himself. He is there, provision for his people, found in Exodus 25, 30. Manna fell from the heavens in Moses' time when they were in Egypt. They weren't there, but they know that story backwards. That's their story. If they had commercials and TV movies, that's their story they're telling. It's how God rescued them out of Egypt. And he provided manna from heaven. In the wilderness, God provides the Israelites with manna, a bread-like substance as their daily food. So when they hear bread, they think of that. And then Jesus kind of, well, actually, I'll give you more. There's communion, Eucharist. In the Last Supper, as we looked at it, Jesus is going to talk more about bread, saying it's the bread he's given. Jess spoke about that this morning. There's unity of the church in the New Testament. Bread can mean a shared meal coming together. It can also mean generosity and sharing, to give bread. Jesus takes all of that and doesn't redefine it, but amplifies it. Understanding all of that helps us unpack this passage. Do you agree? Open it. Context. Wrestle with it. Question it. Find out what this alternative, good and beautiful story means for you. God is okay with us even being a little confused. Do you notice that they, they're confused? Do you notice the disciples are confused and he's totally okay with it? They're going, you want us to eat your flesh? Do you notice he goes, hold up a bit, you've missed a bit? No, he just keeps going. They can either listen, they can dive. Do you know why he does that? He doesn't like you being confused, I believe. I believe he wants you to grow. You know, if someone comes new in the op shop or if you're brand new today at church and you came up to me and you said, I've never read a Bible, I would love to invite you to Alpha I'd love you to teach you to pray. Some of the students that come in and see me at the uni, I literally teach them. They want to know if they do this when they pray or they close their eyes. I love that. They're like, and I don't mean it's condescending, they're like babies. And babies need milk. Babies need their food processed. And I want to give that to them. That's fantastic. I hope we would do the same thing if we're a little bit more mature. But Jesus doesn't want us to stay as babies. Jesus doesn't want to stay chewing your food for you. Jesus doesn't want to stay drinking milk. He wants you to grow up to become more like him. And so when he confuses them, he's saying, reach a bit, guys. Come on. 
Learn, dig in, cut into this stake. You've been following me around for a while. You've seen some cool things now. I'm not going to sort of say, I've heard it said, here comes the aeroplane. Reach, practice, learn. Not as some religiosity, for fun, learn about me. If you listen, he said to them in other passages, if you're actually listening, he who has ears to hear, he says. And so it's the same for us today. Opening the Bible initially, especially if you get hit, you're unlucky and you hit Leviticus. Oh my goodness, you might never open it again. But can I encourage you to reach? God's okay with you opening up going, I don't know what this means right now. He goes, great, let's journey with this together. I've invented this community, it's called a church. They want to help you know this. They want to help you learn together. God's okay with the struggle. Just lean in the mystery. Lean in. I know seasoned Christians here, I know you open a Bible still today and still learn something new about God. It never stops. It's layers on layers on layers. He is ever-present. He is a creator God. It's not summed up on human pages, not fully understood. And so he wants us to lean in. There's always more to learn in his word and in his spirit. The reason he wants you to reach is because he wants a relationship with you. Don't just know things about me. Come journey with me. Come know me. Know my personality. Know who I am. And as he says in there, you'll know God if you know him. So a question for you just to consider. Conscious of time today. What is the Holy Spirit challenging or encouraging me to see within this story? This is what it looks like to reach. So you've opened the Bible, you've looked at some context, you've explained it to each other, you've looked at what some different words mean. Then ask yourself and the Holy Spirit, what is the Holy Spirit challenging or encouraging me to see within this story? I'm going to give us three minutes to quickly turn to the person beside you and just give them something if you've got something, if you feel like there's something that's challenging you within this story. Go for it. And I mean three minutes because it's getting... (laughs) (laughs) All right. You're doing exactly the whole purpose of this sermon this morning and I'm cutting you off. (laughs) which is to open the Bible together. If you get nothing else from this morning, that's what I'm asking us to do. Open the Bible together and enjoy it and ask God what he is saying. Do you know what? I didn't hear many of you look at me blankly and go, and it was okay if you didn't hear anything, if you weren't encouraged or challenged, but most of you started talking then. Do you know what that tells me? God just spoke to a ton of people in this room. So if you're sitting there going, I've never heard from God, Open his word, pray, and see what happens. For me, I'll tell you how I was challenged. I cheated. I had way more prep time. Kind of like they say Batman does with unlimited prep time. He can do anything. I had prep time this week. And this is what I was encouraged uh, or in challenge for the modern church. This was a challenge. And I'm not talking about Burley specifically. I felt a sense of saying we've become babies in the West. Um, entertain us. Comfort us. Entertain me more, comfort me. We're hungry, where, where, where? Bread, food, music. 
and it's everywhere. It's probably shaped by the nimble story, but then even in church. It's like, I don't like this style. You're not telling me what I want to hear. Tickle my ears some more. And again, I'm not talking about Burley specifically. You know this to be true in the West. Tickle my ears. Impress me. I'm bored. I'm hungry. I don't like this. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's not what we used to do. It's not what I do. It's not what I like. Daddy, I want a golden ticket and a golden goose that lays a golden egg. That's what it reminds me of. And my kids are currently learning Willy Wonka monologues for school. But we've become babies. Feed us. Spoon feed us. That was my challenge to me as not always spoon feeding and also myself. That's why I got it. And instead, reach. Again, I'm not judging you. It's not, a, not a, meant to cause you guilt. It's meant to reach out and learn and dig in and cut my own meal up and feed and meet with people and make it important to meet around brothers and sisters in Christ and dig in to the true and good and beautiful story that is the gospel. Amen? I'm not saying reach up, by the way. Chances are the moment we stop, and we just saw that just then, the moment we look up, he's probably not there. We probably just look around us. He's standing right beside you going, come with me. He's not asking you really to do anything. He says, just turn and believe. He's already waiting for you. We know the parable of the prodigal son. He's waiting on the hill. He's going he's gonna to run towards you. He's just going, come on, open this up. Learn something about me today. I want you to grow. That was what I was challenged by, to reach, to turn. Spend more time wielding the word, using the Bible. The more you know him, his story, the more you know his story, you start to know who he is and you start to become more like him. Start to seek him, crave the things that he likes, crave the deeper things, crave time with him, not just the tricks, the dopamine hits, the entertainment, the sugar, the Netflix, the work accolades, the climbing the ladder. That stuff's okay, but it just pales when you start to know the deep, good way, truth and life of Jesus. So what is the message for you? I won't get you to share this right now, but please share it over a sausage and some bread. When Jesus says, I am the provision, I am all you need, I am what sustains you, I am the greatest story, the way, the truth, the life, both now and eternity, those other things you're chasing are nowhere near as important or eternal or meaningful or purpose-giving than me. Seek me, find me, eat of that bread. What is the Holy Spirit challenging you or encouraging me to see within this story? Let me read that again. What is the Holy Spirit challenging or encouraging me to see within this story? A question I'll ask you. Actually, that's not the question. It's the question I already asked you. Sorry, guys, the next slide. What do I do about it? You're here this morning. Some of you might feel God is challenging you. Some of you just shared it. You walk out into morning tea. I'm not judging you for this. We've all done it. You bite into that first delicious bite of the sausage and onions and then you totally forget anything I said. And you remember there's something about nimble. You've got to get the nimble out. <laughs> I am not judging you or convicting you. I've done this. I have preached the sermon and done the exact same thing. <laughs> Write down. <laughs> Take out your phone if you're taking notes or stop and consider in this song, what are you going to do about it? What is the purpose of God turning up today, 
talking to you, challenging you. I saw it, encouraging you. It was nothing I said. It was his word. And you going, thanks, God. I wish you'd talk to me. I'm hungry. I, again, what has he revealed to you and what are you going to do about it? For me, I need to read the Bible more for me. I read the Bible professionally. It's easy to justify, but I don't stop enough and open it for me alone and say, God, what have you got for me? I need to do that. Not want to do that. I need to do it. Because there's a billion other voices and messages telling me other things every day. I need God's message. What's it for you? I need to calendarize that. I need to put the Bible. I don't know. I need to tape the Bible to my coffee machine so I can't access coffee in the morning. I'll check with Mez. And then she's saying, no, we'll put it somewhere else then. <laughs> but I need it to, I need to help myself read this thing, wield this thing, open this thing, enjoy this thing, and know the story each and every day. Amen? Don't know what it is for you, but what are you going to do about it? My first step, I encourage you to grab one of these. It's made to help you open the Bible. It's going to give you some different ways to wield it. And let's get into the Word this season and learn some lifelong habits to carry on into the rest of our life. Let me pray. Yeah, okay, we clap. So yeah, that's nice. us. <laughs> I did feel a little bit, I got a clap before just for showing the card, so I feel like you guys are going easy on me today. Um, let me pray, and then we're going to invite the band up and to sing one last song. Father God, thank you for your Gospel of John. Thank you for the story and the announcement of your bread, that you are our provision that you are our answer, that you are our sustenance, that you are life, that you were there in the beginning, we learnt in John, you've been right through the whole thing and you still provide today, that you are present. Let us not just long for unholy things, things that are cheap and nasty and just ultimately lead to death and destruction. Let us hunger for deep, good and beautiful things, ways, truth, and life. In Jesus' name, amen.